Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Paddy Manning has spent nearly 20 years in journalism, working for Crikey, the Sydney Morning Herald, Australian Financial Review and The Australian. He's the author of a biography of Malcolm Turnbull and his book Body Count, How Climate Change is Killing Us, on the 2021 Victorian Premier's Literary Award for Nonfiction. Today I'm talking to Paddy about his new book, The Successor, The High Stakes Life of Lachlan Murdoch. Paddy, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thanks, Greg. Let's go right back to the beginning and Lachlan's upbringing. The Murdoch children lived an enchanted life, you write, and that involved luxury apartments, mansions spread across the world, and education at elite private schools and then at Princeton. But I was struck by a comment from Rupert's second wife, Anna, who could never take family life out of business. What impression do you have of family life under Rupert? Rupert is famously a workaholic, as was his own father, Sir Keith Murdoch, and Lachlan grows up in an environment where his father is bringing work home constantly. He's bringing people home to their apartment, important people for dinner, and as Lachlan grows up and then enters the business, he himself sort of reflects that you could never distangle the two. He makes a comment in one of his very early interviews that they're a private family. They don't talk about their feelings much, but they can talk about the business forever. It's it's almost as if the business is the way the family relate to each other through the business and discussion of the business and the future of the business. And of course, as the years go on, the question of succession and who will take over from Rupert. Now, it's pretty clear to everyone that the politics of the Murdoch family will lean to the right. I wonder, were there any early signs of Lachlan thinking independently of Murdoch family values? Of course, Lachlan is independently minded and has shown that at various stages. One of the first demonstrations, I guess, that Lachlan wasn't simply going to toe the line expected of him as the oldest son uh, was when he quit the incredibly prestigious senior school uh, in America, Andover. I mean, this is uh, one of the top 10 high schools in in the United States and Ivy League preparatory school. But Lachlan just didn't like it. It was hugely demanding. It attracts, you know, the most talented pupils from across America and around the world. Uh, This is a school where the paper, the Philippian, has produced, you know, plenty of journalists for the New York Times and so forth. So um, it was the best possible education that you could hope for. But Lachlan, after 18 months, just decides he can't stand it. And instead, he finished his high school years at the Aspen Country Day School in Colorado. And uh, in some senses, you know, within the family, it's a sign that perhaps he's the least academic of, of the kids. Liz and James both go to Ivy League prep schools and, um, and graduate and then go on to university. But Lachlan kind of rejects all that and goes instead to the Aspen Country Day School where, you know, the focus is on outdoor activities. And I thought that was a a kind of harbinger, if you like, of Lachlan's decision in 2005 to quit the Murdoch Empire altogether. As a young man, Lachlan showed signs of small-l liberalism. You know, when he comes to Australia um, after graduating from university and he, he studied philosophy at Princeton, so in the end he's had his Ivy League education. But he comes out to Australia and he is 
anti-Hanson. You know, this is the era when Pauline Hanson is first making her mark um, at a federal level. He is pro-Republic. He is very open-minded when it comes to homosexuality and uh, has prominent gay mates like, you know, the footballer Ian Roberts, who he meets through the Super League. He comes across as a cool, worldly, tolerant young bloke from New York. Uh, and then he goes on a bit of a, almost a similar trajectory as his father and grandfather did, which is starting out with a bit of a kind of social conscience and small L liberal political views, and then becoming increasingly conservative as he matures. So I've got no doubt that um, Lachlan is independently minded. And the other thing that sometimes is overlooked is the strong influence of his mother, Anna. There's so much focus on Rupert. I think it sometimes gets forgotten how much influence Anna had on Lachlan. Let's move on to his early career and particularly his role in his father's media empire as publisher of The Australian and deputy CEO of News Limited. In that position, it's suggested that he transformed that newspaper and its readership in attracting a new and younger readership. Would it be fair to say that that phase held a measure of success and early signs of his understandings of the media business? Yeah, it certainly showed that Lachlan, of the three siblings that are in the business, you know, Rupert's first daughter, Prudence, from the, his first marriage, has never worked in the business. But the three kids with Anna, Liz, Lachlan and James, all go into the family business. They sort of go in and out over the first decade of their kind of adult lives. Lachlan, of those three, is the one who is most interested in print and most interested in the Australian roots of the Murdoch business. And he starts at the Courier-Mail, actually. He's kind of sent there to learn the ropes, but also to watch as they invest in colour printing presses. And that's a real lesson for Lachlan as to how investment in the business can lift the performance of a newspaper. So, um, and while he's at the Courier-Mail, he transforms the investigative unit at the paper. He meets a cohort of Queensland journalists who will become some of the most senior editors, certainly in the Australian arm of the business, throughout the empire. Chris Mitchell, Paul Whitaker, Chris Dore, these all go into very senior roles inside the um, Murdoch business. The paper starts winning Walkley Awards. So even in the short period that he's up in Queensland, he learns a lot and he has an impact. Then he comes down to the Australian and by now, uh, there's a view inside the company that Rupert is giving Lachlan his head, if you like. Uh, he is calling the shots in Australia already. Although his his role as publisher of The Australian is, is more of a commercial role uh, and there is still a chief executive uh, running News Corporation in Ken Cowley and then pretty soon John Hardigan. You talk to people from uh, that era at News Limited and they believe that Lachlan was already calling the shots. And of course, he's on the phone to Rupert Daly. Lachlan applies some of the lessons he's learned for the Courier-Mail at The Australian. He tries to refocus it towards younger readers. He's part of an, a switch in the editor from Paul Kelly to David Armstrong. That's seen as a Lachlan appointment. He's part of a raid on um, the Sydney Morning Herald uh, where they poach a whole bunch of staff over to News Limited, some for the telly, some to the Oz. Uh, and he does lift the paper. The problem is, at this time, you've got the rise of the internet. And you've got the first signs that perhaps the future for print is not going to be as profitable. Uh, you know, the rivers of gold classified advertising start to disappear and everything starts to migrate online. So it's an interesting challenge. 
at that point, I think he was labelled as a Luddite for, well, deeming it unnecessary for all journalists to have access to the internet. Was that a fair description? Probably not, but it's a funny story anyway. There's a deep-rooted austerity inside the Murdoch business. Lachlan really identifies with those values of kind of parsimony and he's allergic to overpaying and he believes that the the Murdoch businesses are working best when they're outsiders, they're challengers. He doesn't think that journalists need to have their own email address or their own connection to the internet at this point. Uh, it's too much money. It's too expensive. I remember actually, funnily enough, I was working on the floor of the Australian in 1998 as a freelancer. And I remember people queuing up at the two terminals that had modems so that had internet connections, journalists queuing up on the news floors. It was quite funny. But Lachlan is pretty interested in investing in the online side of the business. You know, he is partly responsible for the news.com.au URL, which has turned into one of the top three news sites in Australia. And you, you talk to people who worked on the digital side of the business back in the 90s with a guy called Zeb Rice uh, that Lachlan knew from his upbringing in the United States. They were childhood friends. They're sort of young Turks that get involved in a new division called News Interactive. So I think it's unfair to call Lachlan a Luddite. And in fact, when someone uh, does do that in a staff meeting at the Oz, he turns red and storms out. I mean, he, he rejects that completely. And pretty soon, he, of course, he's investing in uh, realestate.com.au that would go on to be one of his proudest achievements. And he's also at this time, you know, looking very closely at investments on the convergence between financial services and the internet and media. So I think it's an unfair description, but it's a good story anyway. Well, Lachlan enjoyed something like a meteoric rise through his father's newspaper business and had many successes in that area. Not everything has gone his way. The failed one tell venture with James Packer was famous for losses in the order of a billion dollars. What do these early experiences say about Lachlan as a businessman? Every move that Lachlan has made for the last 30 years has been highly scrutinised. He's had some celebrated wins, but he's also had some huge losses. I mean, I mentioned that he was interested in convergence and the internet in the 90s. One result of that is that his friend James Packer uh, encourages him to bring News Limited to invest in OneTel, the mobile telephone company that was founded by Packer's mate, Jody Rich. That turns into a disaster, one of the biggest corporate collapses in Australian history. They grow too fast. They're churning through customers with a poor credit record because they've been targeting young people. They've got a pretty ordinary billing system. And, of course, you've got tech record thrown in there as well. OneTel comes a cropper. I mean, James Packer blames himself for OneTel. Lachlan really relied on James through OneTel. I think it was definitely a learning experience for Lachlan and probably one of the key lessons was that he needed to pay closer attention. He was on the board of OneTel, but probably relying too much on James and not doing enough of his own kind of research. After having some early wins in newspapers in Australia, it's felt that Lachlan needs to get across the main game for News Corporation, which is in the States. So he's taken over to the States and has a publishing role at the New York Post, where he applies some of the lessons that he's learned at the Courier-Mail and the Australian. And he turns that paper around. He gets involved in an old-fashioned newspaper war with the Daily News in New York and boosts the circulation hugely. But he also finds that he's working in an environment, News Corporation, where he's up against some pretty big egos. They don't take kindly to being told what to do by Rupert's sons, and they don't automatically defer to Rupert's sons. Roger Ailes, the co-founder of Fox News with Rupert, is scheming against Lachlan. 
and they have a falling out and a celebrated incident after 9-11 uh, where there's an anthrax scare at the New York Post and Roger Ailes goes full alarmist and Lockhart goes head to head with him, telling him to calm down and treat it as a workplace safety issue, more or less. But also... He comes up against Peter Chernin, uh, who has a different view to Lachlan about whether Fox News should be trying to charge what are known as retransmission fees in the States. And that turns out Lachlan is right about that. And it's a huge line of business for Fox News now. But at the time, Lachlan loses out to Peter Chernin. By 2005, Lachlan's had enough of this. He feels like he's being undermined by Rupert's most trusted executives. And not only that, he's also been undermined by Rupert. Because when push comes to shove, Rupert is going to take the advice of Ailes or Chernin over the advice of Lachlan. And so Lachlan quits in 05, comes back to Australia. It's a dramatic development inside News Corporation because he'd been regarded as the first among equals, the logical successor. And then he has to start assembling his own portfolio of investments. And that takes, you know, better part of five years before he really gets some runs on the board. You're right. At one point, Rupert famously had the ability to see around corners. Do you think Lachlan has inherited that same ability? Well, I think that's an open question. He has made some significant decisions. The way I kind of characterise it is that with his early investment uh, in realestate.com.au, the online property website that most Australians would be familiar with and has now expanded globally, um, he's been able to find a digital growth business which really propped up the legacy print operations of News Corporation. It's no exaggeration to to say that News Corp's 60-odd percent stake in realestate.com.au is now, you know, their biggest asset. Discounting the Wall Street Journal, um, which is also a huge profit engine for News Corporation, uh, those two um, assets really make up the bulk of the value of uh, News Corporation now. And now Lachlan is trying to do a similar thing in a way with a push into sports betting. A huge growth opportunity in the United States, which has always banned live sports betting, but is now deregulating. He is trying to use the opportunity for Fox Sports in the, in the US in particular, uh, but also for Foxtel and Sky here in Australia which are challenged by the rise of streaming, like Netflix and Disney Plus and so forth. And Lachlan is trying to underpin that by pushing into sports betting. You could say that if if he's able to do that, he's really demonstrated some strategic nous. He has been able to help the legacy media business of his family transition into a digital future. And of course, one of the things that I reveal in the book is that At the beginning of the year, Lachlan instigated a meeting of the two boards of Fox and News Corporation at his mansion in Beverly Hills, Chartwell, where they came together to talk about what their strategy would be, including how they would respond to Web 3.0. Lachlan was not involved so much in, in the first wave of the internet back in the 90s because he was out in Australia. But Lachlan's view was that with Web 2.0, which is, you know, the Facebook and Google, but the rise of social media kind of took traditional media by surprise and took all the ad revenue. And he's determined that uh, the media industry is not taken by surprise by Web 3.0. Rupert Murdoch has quite famously enjoyed the confidence of political leaders in the UK and Australia for quite some time. Does Lachlan have an interest in or even the capacity to continue the political influence that his father has had? Well, I I think it's an interesting question because the Murdoch genius over a century now, since News Limited was formed in 1922, 
The Murdoch genius has been to govern by media. Keith Murdoch was a kingmaker in Australia, and Rupert has been similarly a kingmaker in Australia, the UK, and the US. He's an inveterate political power broker. Uh, he is a highly interventionist editor-in-chief figure who has, I hesitate to say the word terrorised, but famously, he's got his editors on speed dial around the world and is constantly calling them, constantly, as Michael Wolfe, one of his biographers, writes, he's, he loves gossip, Rupert. Um, he is constantly got his finger on the pulse. I think Lachlan is a different kind of media proprietor. I don't think that Lachlan is the political kingmaker that his father or his grandfather were. I don't think he's interested in that. You can see that as benign, if you like, because in some ways, editors, you can argue, would prefer not to be told what to publish or, you know, I don't want to overemphasize that because I'm sure that Lachlan does have influence with select editors and executives behind the scenes, for sure. But yeah, I think he's a different kind of businessman than Rupert. And I think he is more focused on being a successful investor and being a good business strategist as a business leader than he is on trying to drag the political system in Australia, America or the UK to the left or right. Uh, I think he's more interested in the bottom line. And I think that partly is reflected in his own decade of running his own private investment firm, Illyria. He invests in Channel 10, a terrible disaster as it turned out. Uh, he invests in Nova, the commercial radio station, which has been an absolute success and a cash cow for him. And the way I think of it is, if you look at the investments that he made while in Illyria, they don't bring the kind of political influence that Rupert has always seemed to strive for. You don't get political clout from investing in realestate.com.au or from investing in sports betting or from investing in Nova. They don't bring political influence. And I don't think that's what Lachlan's focus is. America seems to be in the process of tearing itself apart politically. And as the chief executive of Fox News, should some of the responsibility for the polarisation of American politics lie with Lachlan Murdoch? Yeah, I think that's a lazy analysis to blame Fox News for Trump. I think if you read uh, into American history or you read the biographies of Trump, including, you know, by Maggie Haberman, um, most recently from the New York Times, there is a long history to the America First ideology and, the, you know, the populist kind of insurgency inside the GOP goes back at least to um, Sarah Palin, if not Pat Buchanan and other figures. So, you know, the Murdochs, in fact, uh, in the lead up to the 2016 election, were at a very dim view of Donald Trump's candidacy and were sort of late to the party. They thought that he was not going to win in 2016, uh, right up to election day. As it turns out, he did win, of course, and then they jumped on board. But Lachlan didn't meet Donald Trump until 2018 at a state dinner at the White House. Rupert, on the other hand, is talking to Donald Trump weekly, sometimes daily. So, I mean, that's another kind of sign of the difference between Lachlan and Rupert. Lachlan does not aspire to be uh, in politics, uh, wielding political influence. And, uh, and I don't think he has a sense of responsibility for the kind of polarisation that we're seeing in America. He, his view, I think, is that social media has got much more to do with the polarisation of America than Fox News does. 
what he sees as a small L liberal um, skewed mainstream media in the United States. If you watch Fox News, they rail against the bias that they see in the rest of the mainstream media. My approach, I suppose, as a biographer, Greg, is to try and tell the story and get the detail of the story right. I'm not there to judge him. I'm there to try and understand him and uh, to give that understanding to the readers. Should he take responsibility? For, yes, of course he should, as the chief executive of Fox Corporation, take responsibility for what is broadcast on Fox News. He is responsible. And in fact, he kind of pushes back against the idea that he runs Fox News. He spends a lot of time talking about how it's only a small corner of what Fox does. There's a lot of focus on the controversial primetime stars like Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, you know, Laura Ingram, those people. Uh, but Fox does a lot more than that. It does have a straight news division. Obviously, there's Fox Sports, Fox Entertainment. He's pushing Fox into lifestyle verticals. Like his focus is not simply on what his most provocative talent um, says every night. And then there's, of course, the whole other news corporation output, which is Rupert Spaliwick um, in the past uh, and Les Lachlan while he's been chief executive of Fox Corporation. But still, you know, that's all that's all part of the business and Lachlan is trying to bring those two businesses together now. But should he take responsibility? Yes, but ultimately it's not for me to say, it's for the reader to judge, I guess. I want to move now from American politics to Australian politics and the political environment that's made itself apparent in the last few months. Was the election of a Labor government in May 2022 a turning point in the understanding of the Australian public of the media landscape and the change in it? Is it an indication of the decline of influence of the Murdochs? I do think it's a marker, but not the first one, of the declining influence of print media in particular. And given that News Corporation owns two-thirds of the um, newspaper circulation in Australia, I think that there's been a long-term trend. The News Corporation has supported the coalition in every election over the last at least a decade, I think. What we have in Australia now is, yes, there is a decline in the influence of a particular kind of partisan campaigning. I think the Australian public has been able to see through that. That's partly a result of the rise of independent media and social media and new, you know, comparatively new entrants into the market like the, the Guardian. The thing about it is the Murdoch media in some ways has never been more powerful because we've got the most concentrated media market in the world in Australia. At the same time, you have got a trend where increasingly partisan and pro-coalition campaigns by the Murdoch media seem to be having less impact. And that's a kind of paradox. I don't think there's any particular um, answer uh, for that yet. Why would that be that even as media concentration increases and, you know, the number of journalists getting employed in the mainstream media has been, you know, declining, uh, at the same time, the influence of the remaining journalists seems to be decreasing. I, I don't have an answer to that, but it's an interesting paradox. I've only got one more question for you, Paddy, and I guess it's the ultimate question. Um, what will the death of Rupert mean for Lachlan and for the Empire? There's no doubt that Lachlan is, as the you know, title of the book indicates, the chosen successor to Rupert. It was clear from 2019, once Rupert sold off, the vast bulk of the value of the Empire was sold to Disney in a $70 billion transaction of the film and television uh, studios 
of 21st Century Fox Hall sold to Disney back in 2019, and Lachlan appointed the chief executive of the rump of the business that was left, which is Fox Corp, where he remains the chief executive today. And James, uh, who was his competitor inside the business for more than a decade, uh, was left out in the cold at that point and has become increasingly critical of the editorial direction of Fox and News Corporation. And he went off the board of News Corporation in 2020. Uh, so Lachlan's the only one left in the business and is clearly the successor. One of the things that the book flags, however, is that once Rupert passes and the siblings, the four elder siblings, take control of the Murdoch Family Trust and therefore control of both Fox and News Corporations, there is a very real prospect that Lachlan will be challenged by his three um, siblings, Prue, Liz and James, challenged for control of the business. And it was put to me, uh, although I can't canvas what my sources are for this, but it was put to me in strong terms that the siblings will want to manifest control of those businesses in a way that promotes and enhances democracies around the world. Uh, so there is a strong view um, not Lachlan's view, but inside the Murdoch family, and not Rupert's view either, but there is a strong view that Fox has played a part in what's broadly known as the big lie, the election denial of Donald Trump, uh, and that's an issue in the Dominion and Smartmatic cases that have been brought in the United States against Fox News, and will go to trial early next year. By promoting lies and how um, election results were counted uh, by vote counting machines that were manufactured by um, Dominion and Smartmatic. Fox News has helped undermine US democracy and the result of it, one of the results was what we saw in January 6, 2021. Rupert is 91. His mother lived to 103. He expects to outlive her. At the same time, he is definitely stepping back from the business and and Lachlan is in control. When Rupert dies, I think there is a real prospect that um, Lachlan, as, as one financial analyst said to me off the record, um, the day Rupert passes is the day Lachlan gets fired. Now that's putting it at its at its sharpest, but I think um, I think that is a that is a real possibility that you will see again a contest for control of the empire once Rupert is gone. Paddy Manning, thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. I've been talking to Paddy Manning about his new book, The Successor, The High Stakes Life of Lachlan Murdoch. It's published by Black Ink, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.